Well, it's Happy Father's Day to you. I know we've already had a, a greeting from Allison uh, to the fathers today and a video uh, to honor you and to give you a challenge as well. And though I don't have a message necessarily directed to fathers, I, I, as we continue this series for, in this month of June on uh, when we pray, I would say to the fathers of today that a praying father would be one of the greatest resources that you could add to your family's life. So I would challenge you to do that. Today we're talking about praying for our church. We're in a series on prayer. And I think every one of us could experience an enhancement in our prayer life. And a challenge to us in the life of our church would be to pray more, to pray deeper, to pray more sincerely, to pray better. And that's my hope as we go through the series on prayer entitled, When We Pray. And we began by talking about um, what happens when we pray. And we talked about it uh, that we are declaring our dependence upon God and we're, we're entering into a relationship with God, partnering with Him to grow and to expand His kingdom. Last week we talked about some of the conditions that must be present if we're going to receive answers to prayer. And we talked about those things in our life that we needed to be in right relationship with Christ. We needed to be in right relationship with others. We couldn't harbor your grudges. We need to have a forgiving heart as we come to pray. Because if we withhold sin in our life and unconfessed sin, we'll keep God from hearing our prayers and respond to us because that sin in our life breaks that relationship with God. So today we're going to talk about praying for our church. And I hope that you do pray for our church now. But I'm hoping that today's message will be a challenge for you to pray even more when we look at this great high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. And he prayed it right before his death, burial, and resurrection. And I find it to be absolutely fascinating. I always have. As he prayed this prayer, the things that he prayed for, that he prayed for the disciples of that day, But he also prayed for the disciples who would come later, and he prayed for the churches that would come later. He was praying for Spring Valley Baptist Church over 2,000 years ago when he offered this prayer. In fact, in our scripture today, in verse 20, Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone, that is, praying for the disciples who were right there before him. But he says, But but for those who will believe in me through their message. So he was looking into the future and praying for you and me who would come centuries later. And because of the faithful message and fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave to the disciples, we would hear the message of Jesus Christ about the kingdom of God, about forgiveness of sins, and having a relationship with God. And we would be a part of this church, and this church would be birthed because of people who would pray for this church. So we're going to talk today about following this prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples and for the churches 2,000 years ago. And we want to incorporate it into our prayer life entitled When We Pray, uh, uh, Praying for Our Church. So I want us to look first at the scripture in John 17 and we'll begin reading in verse 13 and read through 26. Now, the setting is that Jesus is with his disciples. The Gospel of John is a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke as they lead up to the crucifixion experience. Remember, Jesus has been in the upper room. He's washed the disciples' feet. He's taught them about the fact that he would depart from them in John 14. He talks about imparting to them the Holy Spirit who would come and and dwell within them and dwell among them and teach them everything that they needed to know and comfort them and, and everything that they needed to be comforted with. 
And then he begins to teach them about who they were and what they were to do in following him. And then comes this great high priestly prayer of Jesus when he prays for the disciples then and he prays for us now. And we pick up in this in in John 17 beginning in verse 13. Jesus said, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. Here's where he's praying for us. He said, I I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. In them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now what a fantastic prayer Jesus was praying for those early disciples and at the same time praying for us today. If we take this prayer and incorporate it into our prayer life and pray for the life of our church as we should, then I think these five things that Jesus prayed for his disciples back then would be the same things that we would pray for for our church today. And I would would hope and pray that you would grasp the significance of praying for our church that we would truly fulfill what Jesus prays for us to do in this prayer so many years ago. So what does he pray for? Well, let's start at the the end first and then talk about that, talk our way through it. The first thing that we need to pray is that we need to pray that we will sense the glory of God. We need to pray that we will sense the glory of God. In verse 24, Jesus said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's an absolutely fascinating request that Jesus is making. 
Remember, he has not yet faced the cross. He's not yet been crucified, dead, buried, and then experienced resurrection. But he looks beyond that into the future. And what Jesus speaks about is the glory that he will experience when he ascends into heaven. And when he's talking about glory here, he's talking about the manifestation of the splendor, the power, and the radiance of God. Jesus is looking forward to claiming that glory. And at the same time, he's praying for the disciples that they would sense that glory. And now he's praying for you and for me with that confidence because he wants us too to sense the glory of God. He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Now he's praying that in a twofold way. He's praying that first of all, we would be secure in God, in our relationship with Him and in through Jesus Christ, that we would sense the glory of God and that later in our life we would see the glory of God and the splendor of heaven where Jesus will be enthroned and all the glory and honor due Him will be bestowed upon Him and we will see Him in all of His glory and all of His honor. But at the same time, He's praying that they would have a sense of His glory now. And I think we need to do the same thing. We need to pray that we can look beyond the everyday, mundane routine of life and really sense the glory of God. Because I think when we do that, we will be excited and we will be ignited with a passion for God like never before. When we talk about God's glory, we're really talking about the sum of all of his attributes that are wrapped up in in the total being of God. Things like grace and truth and goodness and mercy and justice and knowledge and power and eternality. See, that's all the things that, that God is. Therefore, the glory of God is intrinsic. That is, it's essential to God. The glory of God is essential to God as light is to the sun as wet is to water and as blue is to the sky. So we don't make the sunlight, it is light. We don't make the sky blue, it is blue. We don't make the water wet, it is wet. And God is glorious. And we need to sense that glory of God. I find it so interesting that on their journey from Egypt to the promised land, the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And if you ever get a chance to journey to the Holy Land, you will see some of that wilderness. You'll stand on a mountain and look out across a barren landscape that is nothing but one mountain and one hill after another. And it looked like to me there was not a sprig of grass anywhere out there. And that was the wilderness in which Jesus was compelled for 40 days. But the children of Israel wandered in that barren wilderness as well. But the scripture says this, and this is so profound. They looked beyond the wilderness and beheld the glory of God. I think that's profound. That in the midst of their wandering and in the midst of their mundane routine for 40 years wandering, that they looked beyond the wilderness and beheld the glory of God. If we put that in our life today, then the challenge is for us 
is to look beyond the ordinary routine of our everyday life and the routine even of Sunday morning. That we come in, we gather in a safe place for worship, we go to our Bible study classes, we leave, we go eat lunch somewhere, we go home and we rest the rest of the day and we start our week on Monday and we do the same thing basically over and over and over again. I think we've lost the sense of the glory of God and His greatness in our life and in the life of our church. It's business as usual, it's mundane, it's boring, it's routine. That's why Jesus prayed that we would sense the glory of God so that we would not lapse into that boring routine. We should never lose the wonder of the glory of God in our life and that we have that awesome opportunity to experience that glory as we trust our life to Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with God. So when you pray for this church, pray that we would sense the glory of God. The second thing to pray is pray that we will follow the word of God. Now we know when Jesus prayed this prayer that the New Testament had not been written. You couldn't find a a Bible leather bound like this that I'm preaching from or that you've got perhaps in your lap right now, hopefully looking at, marking, underlining. But when Jesus prayed about the fact that we would follow the Word, He was talking about His teachings, number one, and then He was talking about Himself. You remember one of the ways that we look at the Christmas stories in John's Gospel, chapter 1, and John totally different than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And John says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. He's talking about Jesus Christ as the incarnate Word, the Logos, who came to earth as human being. So when Jesus is praying this prayer that we follow the Word of God, He's talking about that we would adhere to every one of the teaching. He's talking at that moment to the disciples, Lord, impart to them after my death, burial, and resurrection something that will stir them, and that something would be the Holy Spirit, something that would stir them so that they would remember all of my teachings to them and that they would follow those words. How do we know that he's talking about himself with that? Well, Revelation 19.13 says, The name by which he is called is the Word of God. So Jesus gave of himself to his disciples and through his words, which are also the reflection of his glory, the word, now the Bible, has been given to us. John 17, 8, Jesus said, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And then in verse 17 he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You see, when the disciples received the words of Jesus, it gave their lives meaning. It gave their lives a motivation that they never had before. And it gave to them a mission that they would take to the ends of the earth even at the expense of their life. Pray that we will be a people of the Word. Because when we follow the Word of God, we will be in His will. 
And the Word of God will begin to do supernatural things in individual lives as you get into the Word and allow the Word to get into you. That's why we have Bible study and encourage you to be a part of a class that studies the Word together. That's why we encourage you to have your daily quiet time when you're in the Word, just you and God and His Word. And you see, all that happens because the Bible is the Word of God and it's alive and powerful according to Hebrews 12. So we need to pray that as a church we will indeed follow the Word of God. Then the third thing we need to pray for our church is what Jesus prayed for us so long ago. And that is pray that we will be united in the love of God. Now we know earlier in John 13 when Jesus was with the disciples after he would washed their feet in his teaching... He he said that they are to love one another even as I have loved you. And he tells them why. So that the world will know that you are my disciples. In this passage, he's talking about the power of being united in the love of God. And when a church is united in the love of God, powerful, exciting things take place. It's the power of unity of the people of God. Jesus said in verses 21 through 23 in his prayer, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may Become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I think those words are an absolute mind blower. Jesus is asking that our unity be the same as the unity that he has with the Father. Have you ever really thought about that? And the significance of that? He is praying that our unity will be the same as his is with the Father. That's his words. That's what he says. Jesus explains how it will be. I in them and you in me. He's talking about experiencing unity. Not just with each other. But unity with this triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose of this unity? He says it so the world may know that God sent Jesus into this world. The unity he's talking about, when we're united in Jesus and we're united in God, is a powerful unity that maybe can be compared between the the difference between a flashlight, which is a a beam of light, and a laser beam. Laser beam stands for light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. As far back as I can trace it, in 1957, a graduate student at Columbia University named Gordon Gould had been working with pumping atoms to a higher energy state so that they would emit light. And that beam of light known as a, as a laser 
was, was tested by Lockheed Martin that they were able to burn through an entire car engine in seconds from a mile away. Think about that laser beam. It's so powerful that it can cut through a steel beam and also be used to do intricate eye surgery. You see, there is power in unity. The same is true in our church. When we are united in God. Our website has been reworked. It now says we are better together. A reminder as to who we are as a church and how we work better. How are we better together? <clears throat> well, when we are united in the love of God, we are more powerful for the glory of God and we're more productive for the kingdom of God. So as we pray for the life of our church, we need to pray that we will be united in the love of God. The fourth thing in this prayer is that we need to pray that we will fulfill the mission of God. When Jesus came to earth, he, he clearly stated what his mission was. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus says in this prayer to the Father, sanctify them, that's us, in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus asked the Father to sanctify us, that is to set us apart so that we would be prepared to go into the world to fulfill the mission with which he came to fulfill. And we know that those early disciples did that. When the Holy Spirit was unleashed upon them at the time of Pentecost, they spoke boldly about the kingdom of God. They proclaimed the kingdom of God. The church was birthed. Exciting things took place. It was no routine in the life of the early church. But it was just one miracle after another as they saw the glory of God at work. And they prayed for that. And they rejoiced in that. And they went about proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the scripture says that day by day those who were being saved were added to the church all because those disciples fulfilled the mission that Jesus commissioned them to. They became fully devoted followers of Christ who sought to make fully devoted followers of Christ out of those who they came in contact with. We need to pray that we, as a church, will fulfill the mission of God. You see, there's a world out there that needs to know about Jesus Christ. Our demographic study tells us that somewhere between 65, 70,000 people live within a short drive of this church. And most of them are without a church home, most of them without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet what we have to do is that we have to focus so much of our energy on the internal life of this church. There's a struggle today just to get our membership here to be a part of the life of the church. You know that. Look around you. Now, I know it's summertime. People are starting to travel. It's vacation time. But this is an ongoing problem. It's not just here at Spring Valley. It's nationwide. So how are we going to fulfill 
the mission of God until we're fully devoted and committed to the glory of God. Some of you might remember many years ago before a tightening of security worldwide, if you would travel out of the country and you would come back in, you'd have to go through customs. And they would ask you a question. Do you have anything to declare? Any of you remember those days? Do you have anything to declare? First time I ever left the country was in 1971 as a freshman at Walford College. We take the month of January at Walford for an interim study. And I chose to go to Canada. Think about that. Going to Canada in January to study Canadian government and finance. First time in my life I had ever lived in sub-below temperatures. I remember walking down the street of Montreal and a bank sign flashing that said minus one degree. And I'm thinking, where in the world am I? What am I doing here? But I spent a month up there, had a glorious time. That life up there just went along as normal. That was nothing to them. Coming back at the airport, they went at customs. They looked at me and said, do you have any, anything to declare? And I said, yes, I do. I said, I will be so glad to get back to the United States and South Carolina. They took my suitcase over here to decide, said, come with me, young man. Took me over there. In the next minute, they had that thing torn apart, everything scattered everywhere. They didn't find any contraband because I didn't bring anything. You know, I said, yes, I had something to declare. That meant I was bringing something back in, you know. I just said, no, yeah, I got something to declare. I want to get back home. I'm ready to get back to the United States. I want to get back to South Carolina. I could barely get my suitcase back together and catch the flight to get back to South Carolina. But I made it. Think about that. Do you have anything to declare? The world asked that of this church. Do you have anything to declare? Do we? This lost culture out there wants to know, do you have anything to declare that will add value and meaning and purpose to my life? And we should say, yes, we do. If we're going to be faithful and obedient to fulfill the mission of God through the life of our church. If you trace what Jesus said to his followers, you might put it in this order. The first command Jesus gave to the disciples was, follow me. And they followed him to become what? Fishers of men. Then the greatest commandment Jesus gave was to love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the last commandment that Jesus gave was right before he ascended into the glory of heaven and he said, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. That's our mission. We do have something to declare, we do have a reason to exist. And that is to fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we have to be reminded of the fact that Jesus has said, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. That's why we're here, is to proclaim the kingdom of God and fulfill the mission of God for a lost and dying world. Then the fifth thing, that we need to pray for our church is. We need to pray that we will experience the joy of God. John 17, 13, Jesus said, I am coming to you in these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
I think the joy that Jesus is talking about is the same joy that Jesus experienced. And it was the joy of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and being committed to the mission and the purpose to which God had sent him. The greatest joy that you or I could ever experience would be living our life in obedience to God's will for our life. That's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 2 could say, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we pray to experience the joy of God, then we are praying that we will live our lives in complete and faithful obedience to the will of God for our life and for this church. So I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to pray for the life of Spring Valley Baptist Church. And if we all engage in that prayer, and if we pray these five things for the life of our church, then we will see lives changed. As we pray this, we will be changed. Then we will see other lives changed as we are obedient to fulfill our mission in this community. That's why God has put us here. That's what he has called us to do. And when we are obedient to that task, then we experience the true joy of fulfilling the mission in obedience. Pray for this church as we journey onward into the future. Father, we thank you today for this great prayer that your son Jesus prayed for us so many years ago. He looked into the history yet to come. He looked beyond the everyday routine and he saw your glory and he prayed that we would experience that glory and he prayed for us over 2,000 years ago that we would be your church, that we would be your church on mission, that we would be your church obedient to your will and that we would be your people living in relationship with you to experience that unity, that joy, that peace as we fulfill the mission in the love of Jesus Christ. Help us to pray for our church. Then help us to, to be the people who have something to declare to the people around us looking for value, meaning, and purpose in life. All for your glory, Father. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.